The Old Testament reading for today, the fifth Sunday in Lent, is from the prophet Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, beginning in the first verse. The hand of, Lord, the, hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out of the, in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will call flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a sound, and behold a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. The epistle reading is from Paul's letter to the Romans, the eighth chapter, beginning in the first verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. 
If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 11th chapter. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. 
And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today is the fifth Sunday of Lent, this season when we put away our alleluias, kind of put them into the tomb, awaiting Easter morning, and we ponder the sacrifice of the Son of God, what he did for us in payment for our sins. But in this season of Lent, we don't forget the resurrection. We may put away our alleluias, but we don't forget about Jesus rising from the dead because the suffering and death of Jesus is always paired with his resurrection. You can't speak about one without at least thinking about the other because one, either one, without the other is meaningless. And today we have these wonderful readings all uh, paired together, all brought together. They all speak about the resurrection. And the most obvious one, of course, is our gospel lesson from John, this um, reading about the raising of Lazarus from the dead, a man who was in the tomb for four days, right? Who uh, they say he will smell, he will stink, he stinketh. <laughs> if you roll away the stone, because the Jews believed that, of course, the spirit of a person hovered around the body for three days. But once the body started to decompose, at four days, 
then the spirit was gone. The sisters, Mary and Martha, while Lazarus is ill, they're very concerned about him, and so they send a messenger to go and find Jesus. He's out there somewhere. Go find him and tell him that his good friend Lazarus is ill. He will surely come and do something about this. And the servant finds Jesus out at the Jordan River a ways away. I'm not talking about a mile or two. A ways away. Days, a couple days travel or something. And passes on the message. Um, and you would think that Jesus would have come. Human love would have done that. Human love would have had Jesus rushing back to Bethany to take care of his good friend. Here he is healing the blind man, doing all these other things for all these people. What about his good friend Lazarus? Human love would have done that, hurried back, but God's love delayed. Back in Bethany, there is a dark cloud over the house of Lazarus. The illness progresses. Lazarus dies. And the small flame of hope that the sisters have in Jesus, that small hope disappears. Jesus had not come. Many of us have experienced... Um, a plane flight taking off in the rain. Uh, gloomy day, maybe the wind is whipping around a little bit, rain falling, you're in the plane, and uh, it takes off and starts to rise through the rain, goes through the dark clouds, and then breaks free, right? Up above the clouds. And up there, it's just brightness, and you're looking out over the sea of billowy white clouds, and it's all beautiful. And maybe that's kind of a picture of what happens sometimes, that we are in the midst of the gloom and the darkness and the rain and the wind, and we can't see God's love above us, God's love that is all brightness and billowy clouds and calm air and all of that. And we want that, we long for it, we ask for it, and maybe it doesn't come. And it's hard for us, hard to see what's going on. Hard to see that God's love doesn't fail when it feels like it's failing us at the time. In our service today, we don't read the intro yet, but the intro assigned for today is from Psalm 116. And uh, it's portions of that psalm, and uh, the intro it goes like this for today. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. For you have delivered my soul from death, my, ear, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. 
beautiful words. And we talked before, I think, about this word precious, uh, this Hebrew word. Uh, in English, we lose a little bit of the understanding of what's being talked about here. For us, precious might means maybe cute, sweet. It, it may mean something is valuable, right? Uh, how do you link that then with the death of the saints? But the Hebrew word for precious there uh, it has to do also with the idea of value, of uh, important, important. That the death of the saints is not something that God takes lightly, but it's very, very important to him. Death is important. God doesn't want death. He's going to overcome it. Mary and Martha, and even Jesus' own disciples, are struggling to understand what Jesus is doing. They, and Mary and Martha don't understand why he doesn't come. The disciples, they don't understand what he's talking about, about Lazarus sleeping and that sort of thing. Why did Jesus delay? Couldn't he have made it to Bethlehem, in, to uh, Bethany in time? Certainly he could have. Couldn't he have even healed Lazarus from afar, like he does the centurion's servant? Just with a word, couldn't he have taken this illness away from Lazarus? How in the world are we going to understand this thing? And in such darkness and gloom, and to our earthbound eyes, it's hard to see the brightness of God's working. And then we go to the Old Testament reading. The, the bones are dry. <laughs> Ezekiel's dry bones. Of course, the, the reading doesn't say they're dry. It says they are very dry. They've been dead a long time. This, va this valley that Ezekiel is looking at is a place of death, a place of darkness. And looking at it from the other point of view, it is devoid of life. There is no life there. And God asks, can these bones live? And Ezekiel doesn't know. He, he doesn't know. He says, you know God. What would it take for Ezekiel to know? What would It would take something beyond what Ezekiel could even imagine for those bones to live again. And what do we pray when the darkness envelops us? When death seems to be around us, when all we can see are dry bones, when we can't see our way out of the fear or the disappointment or the pain of the illness or our loss, our discouragement. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish, the psalmist writes. And I would venture to guess that many or all of us have seen that darkness, have been there, have known somebody there at one time or another. The darkness that Mary and Martha felt when the stone was rolled across the front of the tomb of Lazarus. Even the darkness that was felt when the stone was rolled in front of Jesus' tomb. 
Maybe there was a hopelessness that you have felt. Maybe a resentment growing in our heart. Maybe we've wondered where Jesus was at a specific dark hour. Maybe you wonder where he is right now. Why hasn't he come to help? Does he care? And we wonder why he's allowed this tragedy or this situation or this illness to happen at all. Sometimes all we can see are dry bones littering that valley floor. We can't see either how they can live again. Can't see the way to what God might be doing here. The stone has slammed shut, sealing the tomb. And all we have are questions, and the heavens are silent. Jesus hasn't come. When Jesus hears that Lazarus is ill, of course, he knows how it's going to end. And what action does he take? Well, seemingly none. <laughs> One day goes by, then two. Then Jesus says, okay, Lazarus is dead. Let's go back now to Bethany. And the disciples know that this is not a good plan for Jesus. This is a dangerous thing for him to undertake. The Jews want to stone you. And you want to go back there? But Jesus isn't concerned for himself. He's not watching out for himself and his own health and safety. He knows how it's going to end for him too. He's on a trajectory, the same trajectory that we are on today in Lent. And that trajectory ends at the cross. Ends with Jesus dead and hanging on a tree. But through his own death, life will be breathed into our own dry bones. God doesn't want death. He doesn't want us to die and to be separated from him because of our sin. All of humanity is like that valley of dry bones. Our sins do condemn us to an eternity in hell, an eternity of separation from our Father, from our Creator. And so God, in His love, makes a way. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk according to the flesh, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. Because that righteousness has been imparted to you and to me, to all who believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior from sin. 
Ezekiel stands there before the valley of dry bones and he speaks God's word to those bones. He prophesies. That's what prophesying is. Speaking God's word. And those bones come together and then flesh comes onto them and then skin comes onto them and then breath comes into them and they live, it says. They live and breath Ruach in Hebrew. Ruach. That word means breath, wind, spirit. Same as in the Greek. The Greek word pneuma, P-N, pneuma, means the same thing. Breath, wind, or spirit. Adam is formed by God from the dust of the ground. And then God breathes into his nostrils, Genesis says. And he becomes a living being. Life comes into him. In the creed, we often say a line that maybe we don't think a lot about. We say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. The Holy Spirit. The Holy... There's that word spirit. Breath of God is where life comes from. The Ruach Yahweh, the Spirit of Yahweh, the breath of Yahweh, the same Spirit that gives breath to Adam, that gives breath to Ezekiel's dry bones and makes them an exceedingly great living army. The Spirit of Yahweh that proceeds from the Son. We say the Holy Spirit that proceeds from the Father and from the Son. And here you see that spirit go out from Jesus into the body of Lazarus. That breath comes into Lazarus and he lives again. And Jesus delays coming. He doesn't send word to the family. He doesn't even attempt to get to Lazarus in time. It's a scandal. It's a scandal that the one who opened the eyes of the blind man doesn't come to help his friend, doesn't lift a finger. And yet Jesus has a purpose, a good and bright purpose. He lets the darkness remain for a time because he knows how it's going to end. It's going to end in brilliant, glorious light. And to, G to Jesus' disciples, he says, Lazarus has died for your sake. I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. So that you may believe. Death is near for Jesus too. As he approaches the outskirts of Bethany, he's now only a couple of miles from Jerusalem. And it's from Bethany that he's going to go to the city of David for the final time. Very soon he's going to be lifted up. He will breathe his last into your hands. Father, I commit my spirit. A stone is going to be rolled into place sealing his tomb in darkness. The death of Lazarus the resurrection of Lazarus, these are precursors of Jesus' own death and resurrection. And not only that, they are precursors of your death and your resurrection from the dead. 
And so to Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And these are wonderful words. We speak them at how many funerals, to how many grief-filled and fearful hearts. They bring hope. They bring comfort. And I'm sure that they rang in the ears of the martyrs in the early Christian church as they were being put to death for their faith, for their confession, for their belief in the Son of God. That in his great love for them, he bore their sins to the cross. That he overcame even death for them in his own death and glorious resurrection that Sunday morning. Jesus says a little bit later in John, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And you can know, dear Christian brothers and sisters, that no matter how dark, no matter how gloomy your situation may be, no matter what your feelings are of fear or betrayal, anger, despair, that Jesus has overcome it. He has overcome all of it. You can trust that Jesus knows your situation, knows your problems. You can trust his promise that he is working behind the scenes, above the darkness, for your good. Because you are precious in the sight of the Lord. In fact, Jesus wants far more and far better for you and for me than we can even imagine. In what seems to be an impossible situation, Jesus performs a spectacular miracle. Take away the stone. <laughs> they say, the body's decomposing, Lord. He says, it's okay. See, decomposing bodies aren't a problem. For Jesus. Lazarus come out and the man who had died, John reminds us, <laughs> the man who had died, the man who was dead, came out. The man who had no breath in him somehow had breath again. Fear, loneliness, abandonment, betrayal, resentment, despair, hopelessness, anger, grief, all of it in a moment are gone. And John closes our reading today saying that many who had seen what had happened believed in Jesus. The writer encourages us, the writer to the Hebrews encourages us, and he says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And when we have ideas about what we think Jesus ought to do for us, remember that he knows everything. He knows intimately every detail of your life and about the situation that you find yourself in. And that he sits in a place not of weakness, 
but he sits in a place of power at the right hand of God, that he loves us, that he's working constantly for our good, and that the good that he has planned for us does include our own resurrection from the dead. And one day, he's going to stand before our tomb and call us to come out. And until that day comes, we profess our faith in him, our Savior and our Lord. And we trust that in all things, even in these dark and unprecedented days, he is working for our good. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.